Hello and welcome all to the first episode of Generation Collaboration Season 2. I'm Litsy Vasquez. And I'm Emmanuel Morales. And we are your new hosts for this season. I'm a senior at East High School here in Denver. I have two dogs. I love them. And I'm really excited to be here to learn all about the amazing things Colorado organizations are doing, such as in this episode, helping to aid the less fortunate. I am a junior at Thomas Jefferson High School. I have a dog, which his name is Snowball, and I always wanted a dog, so... I'm very excited about that. And I'm really just excited to talk about problems Colorado faces and how we can collaborate with each other to fix these problems. This is Generation Collaboration. Today, we are joined by Karen Nunes Cifuentes and Elizabeth Rodriguez, two people behind Comivir Colorado, a nonprofit organization that strives to empower migrant youth. They are here to talk to us about immigrant, refugee, and first generation stories and how Comivir helps lift them. So Karen is the Program and Engagement Coordinator at Convivir Colorado and an immigrant herself. So tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited. Uh, my name is Karen Nunez. I am the Program and Engagement Coordinator here at Convivir. And I have been with Convivir since 2020. So since the beginning, I started as a student, became an intern and part-time, and I'm full-time with them uh, managing some of the programs we offer for our youth. Awesome. So joining Karen is Elizabeth Rodriguez, an intern at Convivir. So feel free to share who you are. Hi, um, really excited to be here. Um, my name is Elizabeth Rodriguez. I'm a first generation student. Um, I've been in with Convivir since 2020 as well. Uh, one of the few first students that Convivir has had. I became a student and now I'm an intern. Okay, so once again, Karen and Elizabeth, it's great to have you guys and welcome to the show. Thank you. Okay, now let's dive into the questions. Um, what does Comivir Colorado do? How do your programs support immigrant and first-generation youth? Is there any specific aid, such as legal, educational, or job assistance? Yeah, so Convivir is a leadership program that supports 6th through 12th grade youth who are immigrants, refugees, or first-generation American. We offer lots of different programs, and it depends, depends on their age and what they're interested in doing with us. They get to join a program or two, or like some of the students, they join all of them. Uh, we do our work through art, storytelling, and community building. Now, the resources, yes, we share them with the community. We also offer workshops for families and we do community celebrations. But the resource access is kind of like the, the last step because we want students to be proud of their identity and share their stories and get to build that community aspect. And then the resources just like come naturally. So we, we start with storytelling. Something I would also like to add is that it's really student-led and like everything's fair. Like for example, um, I'm one of the people that join almost all the programs. <laughs> so um, it's really student-led. Like the students get to um, decide what they want to share, what they don't want to share. Uh, what they're comfortable with, what they're uncomfortable with. Um, and it's a lot of freedom. So we don't have a structure in anything that we do. Because I don't know about y'all, but like, there's some organizations or programs where there's a structure and there's like a way that they do things or they run things. And Convivir, there's not really that. It's a lot of freedom, a lot of laughs and giggles and serious and sentimental points of view. On your website, you talk about providing intergenerational and holistic support. 
What does that look like? Yeah, so um, I'm going to share a little bit of my experience, and then Elizabeth, you can share a little bit of yours as well. But um, Tanya, the CEO of Convivir, was actually my mentor when I was in college. And so when I was a junior, I started to connect with people and I met her and she supported me throughout my junior and senior year. And it was really important to have someone that could just relate to my story. Be like, you don't have to explain yourself. Like, I get it. And so that mentorship aspect is something that I will always value and I, I think what's so special about Convivid is that we meet students where they're at. When you are a newcomer, you're kind of like forced into the system. You're expected to complete X, Y, and Z. And we don't want to do that because when that happens, then you start to lose your culture, your language. And we often... Don't value that, right? Um, it can be at schools, it can be at other organizations. And so at Convivir, we meet students where they're at. We learn about their stories. We meet the entire family. We build that trust because that is what's going to create this community. And um, obviously, we have support from other adults. We have our mentorship program. We have a very large group this semester. And it's because both adults and students were learning from each other. And they just wanted to continue that support. Yeah. Uh, for example, I'm a first-generation student. So obviously, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. Like, it might be an easier journey, per se. Like, for example... Karen's an immigrant. I'm a first gen. I It's automatically known that I have a little bit more of an advantage than Karen. But at the same time, if you look at what we both go through, it's the same thing. Like, uh, for example, five years old, already translating a document Tell of government. About it, yeah. <laughs> and like, you get yelled at by saying like, ¿Pa qué vas a la escuela? Like, ¿Por eso? Do, they do they not, not teach you yeah, like, <laughs> English? Like, hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like... It's just stuff like that. And at the same time, they're like, oh, you're going to school. Uh, college is always automatically in the plan. And um, sometimes that's not the route that everyone wants to take. Obviously, um, that's not everything. But I did take that route because I was like, my parents came here. Again, that pressure and that expectation. And um, it's really hard to try to live up to others' expectations and be like, yeah, like, I get, I need to translate. And it's always, like, thinking of others. So it's not, oh, I need to go to my uh, sibling's parents' conference because I need to translate. I need to tell the teacher that my sister needs A, B, and Z. Or um, at school, I need to figure stuff out. Like, when I was applying for college, I had to figure that all by myself. And then obviously I had a, a good people in Kuwait who helped me through that but at the same time it's mostly by yourself and you're trying to figure that stuff by yourself because who else in your family is going to help you with that and I feel like that's a lot of pressure for one to put and I don't know it's just um same like I was telling Karen it's like two different status equals the same amount of pressure yeah and so we just try to cr uh, create a space where we can share these stories. We can relate to each other. We can use art, right? Because sometimes we can't really explain with words. And so it's very therapeutic as well to use art and to 
really create that community. And so that's where we're all about. We want to continue that support with adults, with youth and even our younger siblings, right? It's very beautiful to see everyone just come together and kind of forget about the pressure and the expectations, but really just get to know each other as like human beings. Yeah, absolutely. Would you consider this like storytelling as a part of your mental health? Like I could see why this would be so, so, so helpful to people who don't have those resources, who can't go to therapy, things yeah. of that nature. So, yes. And also, we prioritize mental health at Convivir. Mm -hmm. We understand that we're not therapists, that we're probably not going to fix everything, but we can try to provide support. So even for um, our mentorship program, like Elizabeth mentioned, we have these expectations of applying to college, of applying to scholarships, but sometimes that is not a priority because as an undocumented individual, for example, my future was uncertain. So how was I supposed to sit and talk about the future when I wasn't even sure? So for our mentorship program, we provide support groups where they do have that mental health support and also we use art and storytelling. And that's what I guess makes our, our work very special and, and unique because we do prioritize mental health. It's good to have like a student and adult because it's a conversation and not the adult telling the kid what to do and like the steps of what to do. It's like it's even like uh, um, recently I told my mentor, hey. I need help with something simple as, like, learning how to study, like, a certain way. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, um, how do you learn? How do you do this? And I was like, oh, well, I learn like this. I gather information like this. How would you suggest me, like, studying, stuff like that? And she's like, oh, I'll, I say this and this and this, but that's those are suggestions. But you can also go this route. And I think that's what's amazing about our mentorship program is that it's not an adult telling a student what to do. It's the adult giving suggestions, support, and kind of like if they if you if they don't have an answer, we both look up the answer trying to figure it out. And I think that's what's amazing that we have, like I said, it's not the adult and students; it's just being human. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's like equal. Yeah, yeah. they're very much intergenerational themes in this. Yeah. Like yeah. people working together. It's more of a friendship. I yeah. can see what, okay, and, that's amazing. And we highlight those stories, right? We highlight them and we own them. Um, and I feel like that sometimes is taken away from us when we enter spaces where we're forced to be something. Um, we really get into that, I guess, humanizing piece of just tell me who you are and what you need help with and then we'll figure it out from there. Why do you think that some immigrants, refugees, and first-generation youth change their names or parts of their identity to sound more American? I know personally, me and Emmanuel have been through that ourselves, but can you tell us from your experience, and is there any down or upside to this? Oh my goodness, I can talk about this the smile for on your hours. Face. <laughs> I can talk about this for hours. Um, I want to go back to the comment that I made that we meet students where they're at. Because when we come to this country or when our parents come to this country, we're forced to learn the language. We're forced to assimilate. We People don't take enough time to get to know us. And I get it, right? It's a system that has been around for years. But we are missing that opportunity to get to know their culture, 
to get to hear their stories and why they're even here. Why are we forcing them to be ashamed of their names, to be ashamed of their culture? Personally, I was because I went to a primarily white school mm -hmm. and I was the only immigrant in the class. And so my teachers were trying their best to help me, but it got to a point where I couldn't even attend Spanish class because my priority was to learn the language as soon as possible. I couldn't go to Spanish class, which meant that I lost part of my language. And I was so ashamed of even my traditions and my culture because I was supposed to learn the American cultures. I was supposed to be like the rest. And for a long time, I was very grateful that, the te that my teachers provided that support. But then I want to say like a year ago is when it hit me and I was like, there was no need for that to happen. There was no need for me to be so ashamed of even sharing what my parents did or wh where they worked or the fact that I was even an undocumented immigrant. I missed out on just being my full authentic self. And that's what we want to avoid as much as we can. That's why we focus so much on storytelling and art and just getting to know the families. Um, because I understand that it can be really, really tough to have those expectations and and to be like the rest, which, again, is a lot of pressure. It's society, but it's not necessary. <laughs> uh, I definitely know where you went through because I'm also a first-generation youth. And when I was a child, I was really ashamed of my parents being from Garmalo and being painters. And I always tried to hide it. And I also kind of felt as though there was this divide in my life between my American life and my Guatemalan life. Like, I always tried to separate them. And I always took priority of my American life because that's what everything everybody was saying to me. Like, this is important. So I kind of went away from my Guatemalan life. But then as I grew up, I was like, why should I hide my Guatemalan life? I should be sewing it off because it's just as amazing as my American life. So I notice here that we are all Latinos, proud, but I do want to address that your nonprofit's name is in Spanish. Um, does this mean you guys work mostly with Spanish-speaking immigrants? No, and that is something that we are currently working on um, because the CEO is from Mexico. Naturally, the Mexican community came along and joined we hired a Spanish outreach coordinator and language is so important, right? But that meant that we were bringing on Spanish speakers. And that's why our website does have a lot of pictures where you mostly see Hispanics. Mm -hmm. However, we serve all communities um, and regardless of immigration status, we welcome everyone, and we are currently hiring for a Vietnamese-speaking coordinator awesome. because we realize that building that trust with the entire family is what brings the community together. The Spanish outreach coordinator is a mom, and so even that connection with the other moms, it's like, yes, you get it. Yes, I can relate to you. Relate to you. You look like me. So... That's why the Hispanic community um, is in our program, like mostly Hispanics, mm -hmm. but we are expanding. 
and we welcome anyone regardless of culture and immigration status. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Generation Collaboration. Today, we're interviewing Karen Nunes y Fuentes and Elizabeth Rodriguez, representatives of Comiver, Colorado. I'm Emmanuel Morales. And I'm Lucy Vasquez, your guys' host for today. How can you build a better bond between immigrants, refugees, and first-generation youth? I think it's about putting aside those labels, aside those stereotypes, and how society looks at us, and really just getting to know each other. Like coming up and saying, what's your story? Where do you come from? What do you like to eat? Food brings people together. Oh, tell me about <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> and so I think that's that's one way that we just put aside what society tells us. And we get to know people for who they are and, and validate, right? Validate their stories and experiences and being like, maybe I might not understand fully, but I get it. I, I respect you and I accept you. Yeah, I feel like... These community events help us a lot because storytelling is a big thing. And we don't really talk about it because sharing your story, you realize how much in common you have someone. Like in immigrant refugees, we might, there's there's separate labels. But if you look into like the stories, stuff like that, you see so much similarity. And um, yeah, like how we said, like we might be put into labels and we might have... Um, oh, like you go over there because you belong over there. You look over there. I don't know, but you just look like them. Go over there. Yeah. And so I feel like storytelling and be able to be in the community with food. Um, I don't know what it is about food, but like, <laughs> food <laughs> like yes. And I feel like sharing tradition as yes. well is something big. Um, traditions. I feel like it's something that unites people because there's, this, for example, there's a lot of Americans willing to learn about the Mexican culture. And learning to, like, for example, this is say this is them, but it's Cinco de Mayo. Like, they're celebrating that. Um, us as uh, Mexicans, we celebrate Fourth of July mm-hmm. for the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fireworks. <laughs> we're there. We're only there for the carne asada, bro. But yeah, like, brings people together, and I feel like yeah, like storytelling traditions makes a big impact in our communities. Yeah. Yeah, I just love how. Comivir is more about trust and making sure that there's someone out there for someone like you guys are breaking away the labels and are just there for people who may feel different than other people. And I just appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah, too. I feel like going to like, I'm like, can I join y'all? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> what are some of the challenges that young immigrants and refugees face at school, home or and in the community? It's the narrative that is portrayed in the media. Let's start with that. We were talking about labels, and that is a huge piece that affects our mental health and that affects how we show up at school and in our communities. Um, The media is biased, and let's be honest, they show what is convenient at the moment. The political situation has an effect on this, and we are all about changing the narrative. Um, me and Tanya were actually hosting some workshops up in Greeley. We did Red Rocks, Colorado Mountain College, and then we're about to do uh, one in Adams State University and at the Aurora campus. Unfortunately, showcased in the media, and 
beyond that, because there is this negative narrative, there is racism, and we are put on labels, the challenges that we face in school and in our communities have a lot to do with lack of resources. If you don't have a social security number, you are already limited to some of the resources that are being shared in your school. For first-generation folks, they might have immigrant parents that can't access certain resources. In the community, it can be that other people are focusing on those negative narratives and there's bullying, there is um, potentially violence. And so there's a lot of challenges that these communities face but ultimately, I believe that it comes to what kind of narrative is being shared in the media and what we're doing about it. What would you say to people who are opposed to welcoming immigrants here in Denver? Say, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. I think I would just say, I would ask, why are you opposed? Mm -hmm. And then I try to encourage them to learn from newcomers and those that are currently immigrants or even first gen and refugees and hear their stories because having that empathy and knowing the full story might change their mind but if not at least they tried and at least they educated themselves and they didn't just dismiss it like as if it's nothing like learn the culture and them as a person before you make a judgment. Yes. I'm a petty person. I'll be like... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, think about it. Because, again, the U.S. is built out of immigrants. It's built out of all immigrants. So I'll be like, think about it a lot and think about how much we bring into the country. Because... No, and most likely the person you're speaking to is an immigrant themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll be like, think about it. I think that's the way, the nicest way I can say it. Like, <laughs> just think about it. Like, see, see how much we bring, see how much you bring and do the math and <laughs> do the math and don't come looking for me if you decide to kick us out. Like, right. Don't come looking for us. I got a story for you. It's like, <laughs> okay. And honestly, this sounds amazing. And I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be wanting to be a part of this now. So tell us how can youth and adults in Colorado get involved in your guys' program? So you can learn about our programs on our website. It is gomibiricolorado.org. We have all the registrations there. But I think we get most of our students and even mentors from our Instagram. So oh. if you go to our Instagram, it's going to be Colorado. Um, we have a link tree. So if you click on the link tree, we literally have everything. We have the community celebrations, registration. We have the workshops. We have our programs are open. Mm -hmm. And also there's a wait list for our spring programs because fall already started. Mm -hmm. So we have our mentorship, speakers collective, and arts and conversation arts and conversations and our youth leadership council and so um, registrations for spring are going to open in january but there's a wait list already so everyone can fill out their applications through our link tree and 
we are very active on our Instagram and Facebook. So you'll see all the flyers and uh, pictures of what we're doing. Um, people can also download the app ReachWell and add Convivir Colorado. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to add? I would just encourage uh, youth to get involved with us. We've heard really positive feedback and comments from our students, and we're just here to support. We are connected with lots of different people, and so even if we don't have the answer right away, we will look for it, and we will have an answer somehow. You guys said you guys host family nights. Is any family, even if their children are not attending this program, able to come? Yes. Yeah, so um, on our website or our Instagram, uh, we have a registration for our next community event. Everyone can join, even if you are not currently involved with Convivit. If you want to get some food and potentially win a prize like and do some art, come join us. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Karen and Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us and being our very first guest on this season. It was great to learn more about you, Convivir Colorado, and how some of our very own are working so hard to change lives. To learn more about Convivir Colorado, visit www.convivircolorado.org and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at convivir.colorado. That's spelled www.convivircolorado.org and for social media at convivir.colorado. Thank you again for listening to Generation Collaboration. Feel free to join in on the collaboration by sharing, liking, and following us throughout Season 2. We are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Today's episode of Generation Collaboration is engineered and produced by David Layden, Lauren Steve Pack, Xavier Gauthier, Ryan Conero, and Flora Block. Learn more about Colorado Young Leaders at coloradoyoungleaders.org and on Instagram and TikTok at coyoungleaders. Discover Youth on Record at youthonrecord.org as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Youth on Record. Big thanks to Civico, a leadership organization shaping Colorado's future for sponsoring this episode. Civico. Check them out at livecivico.org. That's L-I-V-E-C-I-V-I-C-O.org. Thanks again. Stay tuned next month for another empowering episode of Generation Generation Collaboration. Collaboration.